It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome back. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Wednesday, June 6th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're diving back into a topic we've covered a few times recently, the Trump administration's continued attack on Title X, the funding dedicated to affordable birth control and reproductive health care. There's been another change, and we want to keep you as informed as possible. So last week, the Trump administration appointed a new head of family planning. Her name is Diane Foley. And to put it lightly, she is wildly unfit for the job. She's the former president and CEO of the anti-choice organization Life Network. And in that position, she ran crisis pregnancy centers, the fake clinics that exist to essentially mislead women and convince them not to have abortions. And now, in Foley's new position as head of family planning, she has final say on which groups will be awarded Title X family planning grants. This could have huge implications in the reproductive health care landscape. So I sat down again with Tonic News editor Susan Rincunas to hash out the story. Good to have you back, Susan. Thank you, Sophie. So you and I have been following the Trump administration's ongoing attack of Title X. I think this is our third or fourth episode on this topic. And today we're talking about yet another new and unfortunate development. But for those of you who may be jumping in right now and are new, I just want to give you a quick reminder of what Title X is. So Title X is the country's only dedicated source of funding for affordable birth control and reproductive health care. These grants help fund clinics like Planned Parenthood. And in 2016 alone, Title X grants served 4 million low-income people, the majority of whom were women. So... We're here to talk about the most recent change to Title X, but before we get into what that is, take me through very quickly sort of the bullet points of how these changes have been unfolding, what our past three interviews have been about, so that you can bring us up to speed for this most recent iteration. Yes, uh, good to be back, Sophie, except under unfortunate circumstances. Um Title X has been around since 1970, and it was enacted by President Richard Nixon with bipartisan support as a source of family planning funding for women who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it. So I'm glad we're talking about it, but not under these circumstances. The Trump administration has been going after Title X because it is a way for them to attack Planned Parenthood, which is not the country's only abortion provider, but it has the name recognition and it's a group that they have been targeting. So in April 2017, President Trump signed a bill that would allow states to exclude 
abortion providers, including Planned Parenthood, from Title X grant money. This was, if you recall, an instance where Mike Pence had to come in and break a tie. Um, and then he tweeted a photo that he was so proud to do so. But um, that didn't automatically exclude abortion providers from Title X, but it allowed states to do so. And just so we're super clear, since Title X's inception, grant money cannot be used to provide abortions. Providers that do offer abortion are allowed to apply for Title X grants. They just cannot use the money to actually provide abortions. That was 2017. Then we didn't see much on this front until earlier this year, when in February, the Department of Health and Human Services released a new funding opportunity announcement, which is basically, hey, we have these grants. Here are the requirements to apply for these Title X grants. And they drastically remade the requirements from previous years, showing that they would prioritize groups that focus on abstinence-only education or natural family planning methods, um, like the rhythm method and other things that have up to a 25% failure rate, unintended pregnancy rate, versus FDA-approved birth control, which are much more effective at preventing pregnancy. So the administration was actually sued over those grant application changes because groups like the ACLU said that they were making changes outside of the proper channels. So that lawsuit is currently ongoing. And then at the end of May, the administration released what a lot of people were expecting, unfortunately, which is a proposed change to the actual Title X statute that was signed into law in 1970. So going through the proper channels, as it were. What they want to do is completely exclude providers that offer abortion from even applying for grants, which is different from how it currently works. And they also want to prevent doctors from referring women to abortion providers. So medical groups and reproductive rights groups are calling this a domestic gag rule. That is, they're gagging the doctors from speaking about medically accurate information, offering all of the available options. And the Trump administration says it's not a gag. You can still counsel people on abortion as an option. You just can't tell them where to get one. And the groups countered that by saying that is a gag. If we can't actually tell people where to go, that's in effect not being able to counsel them at all. There is one exception. The administration allows that if a woman comes into a clinic saying, I've already made up my mind, I want an abortion, a provider could hand them a list, but it also wouldn't say which clinics actually provide abortion. They would just give them a list and some do and some don't. Okay, so that is everything leading up to this most recent change. It feels like just yesterday that the gag rule came down on us. But just last week, the Department of Health and Human Services very quietly announced that there is a new head of the office that oversees Title X funding. Can you tell us who she is and why people are so concerned? Sure. So the Department of Health and Human Services, like you said, announced a new deputy assistant secretary of population affairs. And the person in this role actually has final say on what providers will receive Title X family planning grants. That was actually something that was buried in the grant application changes. See, so much has happened that I forgot to mention that change. Um, the administration changed 
how things work so that instead of how it's been working since the late 1980s, where this deputy um, secretary reviews applications with the assistant secretary for health and other regional health administrators, starting with the current funding period, the deputy secretary is making the decision themselves. So this worries people um, because the last person they had in this role, the acting deputy, was also anti-contraception. But now they've made a permanent appointment for this position. And her name is Diane Foley. And she was, until early 2017, the president and CEO of Life Network, which is a Christian anti-choice organization and runs two crisis pregnancy centers in Colorado. For our listeners, can you talk a little bit about what crisis pregnancy centers are and what they claim to be? Crisis pregnancy centers are known as fake health clinics. Um, They advertise themselves as offering support to women who are pregnant and need help. And they are known for opening locations near actual reproductive health care providers and having names similar to the reproductive health providers in their area. Their employees are often volunteers and sometimes wear lab coats, which makes it seem like they're medical providers. But in fact, many of them are not medically trained and are not licensed to provide things like pregnancy tests and ultrasounds. And it's all in an attempt to convince women not to get an abortion to continue their pregnancy. So you can imagine if you're Googling, you know, pregnant and scared or, you know, need help, I'm pregnant, and you happen to walk into one of these pregnancy centers, you might not know that they do not offer abortion or do not make referrals for abortion. They will tell you how far along you are in the pregnancy, even though they are not medically qualified to do that in many cases, and will often lie about the health effects of abortion. And they do offer support for women who want to continue their pregnancies and, you know, baby clothes and um, parenting training and things that can be helpful if somebody already knows they absolutely want to continue the pregnancy. But it's not informed medical consent. It's not telling people all of their options. And unfortunately, crisis pregnancy centers are known to tell women, oh, you have lots of time to make up your mind. You don't have to make your decision now, um, you know, whether or not you want to continue the pregnancy. And there have been cases where women have said that once they decided they they no longer wanted to continue the pregnancy, they were beyond the legal limit in the state. And they had felt misled by the staffers at the crisis pregnancy center. And for all the reasons that you just mentioned, crisis pregnancy centers have never received Title X funding in the past. And so this is a huge change with Foley in this position now that this could be the first time ever that crisis pregnancy centers, also known as fake clinics, could actually receive funding through Title X grants. What could this actually look like for patients, for doctors, for the reproductive health landscape? Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, In the past, these fake clinics were not eligible for Title X funds because they did not offer birth control. (laughs) This is something they don't provide. So since Title X is a family planning program and they do not offer family planning methods, they were not part of the program. So there was some reporting after the gag rule 
changes were announced that crisis pregnancy centers were thinking about applying for this funding. It seemed like they would be able to compete and possibly win grants um, for the first time. And now the fact that HHS has has hired a former CEO of crisis pregnancy centers to be the person who chooses who gets these grants is the clearest sign I've seen that crisis pregnancy centers will be eligible for this funding. And now what this might look like is the fact that if these fake clinics are able to get some of this grant money, that means that there's less money to go around for people who provide legitimate effective healthcare. Um, the Trump administration has said they're they're not cutting funds to Title X, but if they're going to be widening the scope of the providers that are eligible, they are in fact making it so that there could be cuts to providers that offer FDA approved and the most effective types of birth control. What about Foley's personal views? I mean, they're obviously related to her work, but I know that she's said some pretty outlandish and inaccurate things. So fill us in. So in September 2016, Foley gave a presentation at Cheris Bible College, and at that presentation, she was introduced as the president of the Life Network. So we know that she was president of the organization, at least until then. She repeated a falsehood that is common among the anti-choice community, that abortion causes lasting mental health problems. And she went so far as to say that this is a significant problem, and it has an accepted diagnosis. Uh, Let me just read you something she said. Here is the thing that is incredible to me. I am a trained physician, went through training, got not one single lecture throughout the course of my training about this situation. Maybe that's because the American Psychiatric Association does not recognize post-abortion syndrome or any related category as an identifiable medical health condition in the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual. So she's out here saying that abortion causes depression, substance abuse. She said all of these things in that same presentation and that if a woman presents to her with a history of mental health problems and substance abuse, she will ask them if they have had an abortion and she connects the two um, in that way. Just to reiterate, There is no high quality evidence linking abortion to mental health problems. Um, There have been recent studies out in the last month that found no elevated risk of depression or suicidal thoughts among women who had an abortion versus women who continued a pregnancy. So here we have a medical doctor who is not up to date with what the medical community says about abortion. And can you tell us some of her personal views on sex education and some of the things that she has been known to say about that topic. Oh, yes. So uh, Life Network, the organization of which she was president, has programming to teach sexual risk avoidance to middle and high school students. That is basically abstinence-only education. That's just the term that abstinence advocates prefer to use. And the program is called Education for a Lifetime. Now, in 2010, she was speaking to a reporter with the Colorado Springs Independent about education for a lifetime. And she told that reporter that it's too difficult to teach teenagers how to use condoms because there's too many steps. She cited 13 steps. And she also suggested that demonstrating how to use a condom on a banana in a classroom could be considered sexually harassing. So this is a woman who 
was president of these crisis pregnancy centers, but also has views that contraception is too difficult to teach and also harmful to teach to middle and high school kids. If putting on a condom is too difficult to teach, I wonder what else she would want to get rid of. Trigonometry, I would maybe argue, is more difficult than putting on a condom. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's up for debate. <sighs> What's the amount of money we're talking about here? How much money will Diane Foley be overseeing and in charge of doling out? Great question. $260 million. Wow, that's a lot of money. And Foley's appointment to this position was done very quietly. It was actually done through a tweet and a sort of indirect tweet. Why, if the Trump administration and particularly Mike Pence is so explicitly and vocally anti-choice, why are they keeping this so under the radar? Yeah, that's an interesting question, because like you said, Mike Pence is very openly anti-choice um, and Trump, even though I don't think that he personally agrees with these things, has been playing the part in order to get the support of anti-choice groups. Now, um, I reached out to a spokesperson at the Department of Health and Human Services who said that since they'd been there since 2010, the people in this position never got a press release, um, you know, at the deputy level. That's not something that they do. So the person acted like it wasn't necessarily a quiet announcement that making an announcement, you know, with 15 other personnel changes was not that out of the ordinary. Um, But that spokesperson did offer to send me the internal email that was sent to staff about Foley's appointment. And interestingly, not even that email mentioned her former role as the president and CEO of Life Network. I'm honestly surprised that they're not touting this. Um, it's it's something that's going to be very favorable with anti-choice organizations, but it's also possible that they don't want to see backlash from um, pro-choice people who are very (laughs) excited, tend to be Democrat and are, you know, looking to come out in massive numbers in um, the midterm elections. So, well, we will see what happens and what kind of backlash there is and what kind of organizing we see in response to yet another change to Title 10. And if there are more changes, make sure to keep checking in at the Vice Guide right now. And Susan and I will be back to inform you. So thanks so much for listening. And thanks, Susan. To read Susan's full article, go to tonic.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening, and make sure to tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.